The Ingo Vogelman Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Ingo Vogelman. And for everyone who doesn't know me yet, I'm a music producer, composer, sound engineer, DJ, and I also have a few other invented professions that are a little bit less exciting than the ones just mentioned. If you need to know more about me, you could either Google me or check out my website at ingofugelman.net. You can send me audio messages at anchor.fm slash Fogelman or send me an email to podcast at ingofugelman.net and I'll reply to those on the show. I'll do my very best to answer each and every one. Here we go. I'm doing a fucking podcast now. Jesus. Something I avoided doing for years. And there you have it. I already dropped the explicit language. Might happen a few more times when I'm being me. But I already marked the podcast quote-unquote explicit language myself. So I guess I'm in safe waters with this, hopefully. First of all, I want to let both my English and German-speaking listeners know that even if this episode is in English, I will do this podcast in both languages. Not within the same episode, of course, but depending on the topic and the interview guest, I will record a German or an English episode. Speaking of language, please note, although I'm pretty good in English, it's not my mother tongue, which is German, so please forgive me for mistakes and any weirdness that will definitely occur, or already did. I try my very best to avoid them. I'm sure it will happen anyway. Of course, I still don't know if this bilingual plan works out really well, but I will find out and adjust things then. Secondly, guys, I'm really shitting my pants doing a spoken podcast now, really. It might not look or sound like, I might seem cool or relaxed, but I'm not. And I need some time to get used to this, I guess. I'll explain a bit about my anxiety later on. In this very first episode, I talk a little bit about myself and the motives and reasons why I'm now doing a spoken podcast. As kind of mentioned, it's not as easy or self-evident as one might think. Of course, the fucking coronavirus situation and everything that comes with it is a huge topic for me. But, you know, I want to keep certain topics out of this podcast, like, you know, the two classics, religion and politics. There are certainly some other things that concern or upset me even, and I want to share this with you on this podcast, of course. As you already expected, I guess, musical topics have to be on this show, and they will. It doesn't have to be about my own music, by the way. Ultimately, this podcast is not intended as a promotional instrument for my own musical work, but on one hand, an outlet for myself and as entertainment, inspiration or whatever it is for you or could be plus a few other purposes but we'll get into that later when I talk about the reasons for this podcast in this episode I'm going to talk about my DJ activities or better the lack of them 
Actually, this episode is all about my first guest on the show, which makes up for the major content of this episode and probably all future ones. For starters, we have the amazing Echo Grid, aka Chris Anderson, on the show. If you don't know him yet, I'll give you an intro later, but I can guarantee you this young man is an extraordinary talent. We had quite a lengthy and very enjoyable conversation, which you'll be able to hear almost completely unedited and uncut. Authentic, honest, pants off, bare feet, spotlights into our faces, no hiding, just a deep and honest conversation, at times even funny. So make sure to stay tuned for this one. Please let me know which guests you would like me to have on on the show in the future, best via email to podcast at ingofogelmann.net. I'll give my best to make everything happen, promised. Unless it's Donald Trump or his zombie-in-chief Kellyanne Conway, I'll try to make everything possible. I have a feeling that I'm pretty good at that. Okay, maybe Elvis, Mickey Mouse or the Emperor of China would be difficult. However, let's get rolling then. Why am I doing this podcast? Well, first of all, some of you know that until about 10 years ago, I was still blogging regularly on all possible topics, from music to politics to everyday world events. My blogging was relatively successful at the time, when we talk about the number of people engaging with all that stuff. Back then, blogging was a real big thing. But that has changed, obviously, mainly because of social media, probably. The number of visitors that were interested in my blog decreased continuously. And at some point, I no longer saw any point in regular blogging, which is why I ended up quitting it. I never really considered making a podcast. This is largely due to the fact that I'm both quite microphone shy and extremely camera shy. So you most probably will not find me on YouTube recording videos of myself or something like that. I don't know why, but whenever I have a microphone or camera in front of my face, I feel totally uncomfortable. I also have a bit of a stage fright as a drummer or as a DJ, but the intensity is not comparable and it stops after a few bars that I play. I myself consume a few podcasts, for example, when I cannot sleep or when I'm idle, but I'm not what you could call a huge podcast fan. The situation is similar with radio plays and audiobooks. Sometimes I prefer to read, sometimes I prefer to listen. It all depends on the situation. For example, when I'm lying on a beach, I prefer to listen, because otherwise the sand will fly into the book or the wind will turn the pages. Also, when I'm on one of my hikes, I sometimes listen to spoken audio instead of music, because for me that's less distracting than music. After all, I still want to experience nature, and music is sometimes too emotionally charged for me to be able to fully sense nature. It's just too distracting. There are a few hand-picked 
podcasts that I love to listen to and which I believe do and will continue to help me creating my own shows as a template, so to speak, or inspiration. Of course, I want to get better at it from episode to episode, and who knows, maybe that will also make me lose my fear of the microphone. That would be great. Funnily enough, I always had all the technical skills and resources, of course, to produce a podcast. Actually, that's what I do for clients. In fact, I produce a lot of other podcasts for, for some of my clients. So I know how something like that at least technically and structurally works and how much effort that is. And because I also have less contract work right now because of fucking Corona um, and can expect even less in the near future, at least that's what I expect, I now have more time for other projects. Of course, this includes producing my own music, but also new projects such as this podcast. But why exactly am I doing this now? Because the combination of the reasons I just mentioned is enough to finally give me the push to tackle it. And this at a time when people are probably much more interested in a podcast from me than they would normally be. At least that's my assumption. Please don't get me wrong, I appreciate every single listener and fan, but I have little motivation to do something for five or ten people. That just doesn't justify the effort, I think you understand. So there it is now, my podcast, the Ingo Vogelmann podcast. There is no way back, things I start, I pull through. The whole thing would have to go very clearly wrong to end it prematurely. Of course, the hard numbers and data will ultimately decide whether or how I will continue. But at the moment, I think the podcast has a good chance of a life of its own in my universe and maybe in yours too. For weeks, I thought about how the podcast should be. I think I have developed an interesting model in which I both tell something, involve the listeners and fans, and have an interesting guest on the show. Of course, I look forward to your feedback, your suggestions and ideas on how I can make the podcast better. Maybe some of you out there are already quite experienced with doing podcasts themselves and have good tips for me or, you know, inspiration, ideas, whatever. And please send me your suggestions on, on topics and guests. This will not only make my job easier, it will also allow me to create the podcast a little bit more the way you like it. If you have any other or whatever questions or comments, please send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash Vogelmann or by email to podcast at ingofogelmann.net. Okay, let's talk about my DJ career. It may have struck some people that I hardly play any DJ gigs anymore. Apart from my recordings from my mix shows, Lightworks and Timeout, which are put together in the Lights Out podcast. You can find it on Spotify or SoundCloud 
for example, or just type ingovogelmann.net slash podcast. The short and simple explanation is I am fed up. I've had it. I'm done with a few things. The whole thing about DJing is pissing me off. And here's the somewhat longer explanation. When I played my last major gig in Budapest in 2017, I had to deal with a promoter for weeks that was extremely unreliable and dishonest. Unfortunately, I was deeply involved in the organization of the event because it was a frisky branded event for which I was largely responsible. The handling was absolutely catastrophic on the part of the promoter and cost me all the nerves and energy I had left when it comes to the whole DJ thing. After this I decided not to do this shit anymore. I'm tired of staying on airplanes and in hotels, not getting a good night's sleep and just eating shit. I'm tired of living unhealthy physically and mentally. I'm tired of being lied to and running after money. I'm tired of still suffering from a hangover for days after a gig and therefore not being fully able to function properly in real life, back home, in the studio and whatnot. I'm tired of having to crawl up someone's ass just to get good gigs. Fuck all this and fuck all shady promoters. Don't get me wrong. There are some very good promoters who do an honest and important job for the electronic dance music culture. Two of my closest friends are promoters, Alejandro Coloma and Thomas Ulrich. I plan to have both of them on this podcast uh, in future episodes, by the way. But those characters are not the majority. Most of them are ego-loaded and dishonest narcissists. I want to have weekends off, a somewhat normal private life. I want to have time for my relationship and for my friends and for long hikes through nature. In short, I want to enjoy all the stuff people enjoy, usually. I never officially announced that I would no longer play gigs as a DJ. Or, you know, what people like to do, I don't know why. I, I even think that has to do with grabbing attention to announce their retirement from DJing. That's bullshit. I am still a DJ. But I have promised myself one thing. I only play gigs that are right and good from start to finish. That are fun, paid properly and do not mean subordinate travel. It's one thing to DJ for fun and a whole other thing to make yourself dependent on something like that. That's not a healthy thing, by no means. So I'm still a DJ and always will be, simply because you never stop being a DJ just by saying that. A DJ will always be a DJ, a musician will always be a musician and you can still book me for a proper event, but I will never play the bitch for any idiots again. Subject closed. Next topic. A few weeks ago, when 
Chris Anderson, a.k.a. Echo Grid, agreed to record a conversation with me for this podcast. He said, I'd be happy to talk about the pivot I'm making away from Ambient Man. At this time, he had no idea that it would become much more than that and what he got himself into, I guess. The outcome is, and that was my plan from the beginning, digging deep into a sensitive, introverted and beautiful personality of a 29-year young and extremely talented and intelligent man living in the Netherlands who has a non-existent or at least weird relationship with money, son of a Dutch mother and a Scottish father, aiming to live a meaningful life that is filled with meaningful or sometimes even happy music for a change. Please welcome Chris Anderson. Hi. Hey, Chris. How are you doing, man? Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm doing all right. All, uh, all things considering, you know, seeing as we live through uh, the most boring apocalypse uh, anyone has ever written about. But I'm. Uh, I'm doing all right. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm mostly just you know stuck indoors, making music, playing the video games. <laughs> That's not too bad and not too different from uh, other times, right? Yeah, <laughs> it hasn't been the uh, <laughs> it hasn't been the biggest adjustment for me. I have to be completely honest. Like, <laughs> <laughs> same here. Actually, I'm not the most social guy on earth. So yeah, yeah. although you, you you sort of live out in the sticks, don't you? You live in the country. I live uh, well. I live up in the mountains, even. Mm. Like we are polar opposites in this respect. You live in the mountains, and I live in the absolute lowlands. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, actually, Rotterdam is a nice city, so it, it's great to live there. I think. Yeah, yeah, it has its up and down sides, like any place, I guess. But if you, so, if you're somebody like me who is very much in love with uh, with nature and feels wholly deprived of it, what, because I'm living in a city, I would. I would love to switch places with you and be close to a mountain. Because as a Dutchman from a country that is completely flat, I am always extremely impressed when there's even a mild bit of elevation going on around me. So me next to a mountain is like a kid in a toy shop. <laughs> so what keeps you from moving somewhere else? Uh, it's my social life is here. My, my work is here. Uh, I've got basically everything everything I want apart from tranquility here. And you know, money is uh, is still an object. Um, being a being a non touring musician, uh, I'm essentially just a studio project. It's uh, it's kind it's hard to get like a decent income out of that. So for all intents and purposes, I am stuck here for now. But hopefully, at some point, I will no longer be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess we're all uh, like uh, animals that have to follow their prey, right? I guess so. My prey happens to be living away from everybody else <laughs> next to a mountain. <laughs> no, actually, you're you're already uh, turning me to all the questions I have. Oh, you have questions, have you? Oh, I have two two uh, sheets of paper full of questions. Oh, damn. Are you prepared? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, maybe I would have been if you told me this beforehand, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea what you got yourself into. 
no, but I did mention before that I will speak at length about pretty much anything that you want me to talk about. So I guess I'm getting what I wished for. <laughs> I guess I'm a lucky guy to have you as my first guest. Uh, depends. Talk to me again in an hour. See how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I think everything will be fine. I think I'm I'm the more nervous person than you are. Ah, this is the first time you're doing something like this, isn't it? Absolutely. It's my absolute premiere. So, right. yeah. Well, thanks for uh, letting me be here uh, on the maiden voyage that is your podcast. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so, um, actually, my first question was uh, something we already sort of touched. Um, my question would have been, how are you keeping up in these uh, corona fucking times? Oof. <laughs> it's, uh, it's weird, right? Like, it is... You probably haven't seen this because you don't live in a major city, but like the way life has sort of turned uh, on on the drop of a hat is, is kind of weird. Like for a for a good couple of weeks there, maybe three or four weeks, uh, when people put the uh, social distancing and work from home orders in place, uh, Rotterdam, which is usually a very busy city and it gets busier every year, was a was a ghost town, and as someone who lives or who works in the inner city center outside you know i do uh, i'm 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 stereotype uh, i'm dutch um, i'm a bike messenger so i'm on a bike an awful lot but it gets uh, it gets me around this city and it made me see how empty it was and how weird it felt like uh, like it was the intro to a disaster movie or something like that but there was still stuff you had to deliver Oh, yeah. Um, my work has been deemed essential. And uh, I'll agree with it being wow. essential for my income because uh, I, I, I like you know, to eat and pay rent and stuff. But I can't say that the stuff that we deliver is, is essential. It is mostly like fast fashion clothing, stuff like that. All right. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, I'm, I'm happy that I've still got work. And that, it, that my place of work is still open because I don't want to isolate myself too much. Like I'm already self-isolating from uh, most of the people I know because it's just it's just the prudent thing to do right now. But if I didn't have work, I wouldn't have come outside at all, and that's that's not healthy. But you know, I figure I figure when you're on the bike, you're sort of alone too. Although, given the fact that you are out there and uh, surrounded by people and cars and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but you're alone. I mean, you don't talk to people that much, right? No, it's uh, mostly just, hello, how are you? Here's your package, goodbye. And that's kind of what I... And where's my uh, tip? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually turned yeah. those down. Uh, like, I'm, I'm not really big into having money in the first place. I, I, I find, like, the concept of money kind of uncomfortable and i work for my money so if i get a tip from someone i turn it down just out of principle you know really yeah i i, I just don't like like i'm I'm always bad with with money anyway like even on, in, on birthdays people like give you money as a birthday gift and i always like, have this whole fucking sun, sung and dance that i'm not willing to accept it because ugh, money i'm just weird about money i guess so no tips that was a uh, rant that you didn't okay. ask for <laughs> Yeah, well, well, that's totally interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, does does the Corona situation also affect your life as a musician or composer or whatever you consider yourself? Nah, not not really. I've I've never been a touring musician. Like I played in bands and I've played live, but never as this project, and I've never really envisioned it as a 
live project. So the fact that you cannot perform live anymore right now has got very little bearing on on me. Like I just exist mm. on the internet and that <laughs> is it, essentially. Okay. What did you play when you played in a band? Uh, I was a I was a vocalist. I um <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but, you did some songs recently with, with your vocals in it, right? Oh, yeah, that's that's true. I, I start to incorporate them more into my, my own solo music uh, as well. Yeah. But like way back when, before I um, started learning how synthesizers worked, I was a vocalist in an acoustic folk trio. <laughs> Believe me or not. Wow. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. something. <laughs> I never thought you would have done that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, I studied uh, music. I've got a degree in it and everything. And during my time in at school, I, I was a vocalist for a folk band. We, uh, we had me on vocals doing the lyrics, somebody else on guitar, and uh, somebody else on the violin. And we, uh, we played quite a few shows. Um, Any recordings? Yes, uh, there, there's recordings on, on SoundCloud. Uh, these things are like over 10 years old at this point, I think. Um, uh -huh. I, I can't remember the account name. I think it was Jake Official, as in Jake the name, and then just Official. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's still there. The last time I checked was like two years ago, but there's still some old demos on there that we recorded. Like we only went. I would love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's like the most natural you're ever going to hear my my voice because that is before I discovered uh, Auto so, uh, speaking of, uh, you know, you studied music and all that, um, where do you originally come from and how did you end up in the Netherlands? Uh, I was born here um, to ah. a Dutch mother and a uh, Scottish father. My father came uh, came over here some, uh, I don't know, 30, 35, 40 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. So, I, I was born in a place called Dordrecht, which is uh, in uh, a southern pr province of the Netherlands where I uh, lived for a while and I moved around a fair bit and ended up living uh, in a town close to Rotterdam right now. Uh, so you're not directly in Rotterdam? Uh, no, but I am there pretty much every every mm -hmm. day because all of my friends live there, uh, my work yeah. is there, you know. And it, trust me, the town I live in, you don't really go there if you want something to do. That is uh, just <laughs> a place to live if you happen to work in the uh, surrounding area. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That bad? It's not bad. It's just not remarkable in any way. Mm -hmm. Okay. So do you still speak a Scottish accent? Or uh, not no, still, but do you no. actually speak Scottish? Yeah. Uh, no, I just speak English most of the time. Uh, my, my accent is because uh, I grew up around my English family members. Like I've got English family members living here. Uh, my grandmother yeah. and my, uh, my my auntie specifically, they uh, they moved to the Netherlands at some point. And they were around me when I was growing up. So I learned to speak both English and Dutch at the same time, which means I am uh, a native speaker of both languages, which means that I can, I'm now to the point where I can confuse one language for the other sometimes, which results <laughs> in me speaking English in half sentences and then switching to Dutch and then back to English and stuff like that. So do you consider yourself inside of yourself? Do you consider yourself to be English or, or Dutch? I am definitely Dutch, but there is a part of me that is quintessentially British to the point where it confuses English people whenever I'm in uh, in England, which I tend to go to <laughs> quite often. <laughs> okay. 
So my next question would be a little bit silly, I, I think, because Hi. I wanted to ask you, do you prefer Frikandel, Cassoufflé or Bitterballen? Ooh. <laughs> 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 I have to go for the castle play, man. <laughs> okay, same here, by the way. Yeah, I think we both know what's in a frikandel. I, I, don't, I want no part of that. I just want deep fried cheese. <laughs> yeah, right. I prefer that as well. <laughs> I love it, by, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because, you know, I come from uh, the city of Essen, you know, mm -hmm. um, Western Germany. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Dutch border was or is very close. So um, we used to be in uh, Holland very often and, and, you know, in Venlo and, and have uh, Frikandel and Kassoufle and all that. <laughs> so, yeah. And the Dutch people come over to Essen to go shopping. Yeah, yeah. Germany is exceedingly popular with uh, with people who live in the border regions. I've, uh, I've only been to right. Germany once myself and that was like... Really? Only once? Yeah, only once. When I was a uh, when I was a little kid, I went to uh, Frankfurt. Uh, okay. That is basically the the only time I've ever been there. But the more I find out about the country, the more I want to return there because uh, oof, you've got Bavaria. Yeah, that's beautiful. Absolutely, mm. you should after Corona, of course. After Corona, <laughs> after the borders are open again, I'll definitely yeah. like travel right. some some more. <laughs> So, yeah, we also covered actually my next, not question, but but comment. Well, there's a question in it, actually. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you're my first interview guest on my very, very new podcast. Um, and I'm glad it's you because I think musically we are very close. And, um, yeah. And, you know, I try to make it in English and German, not at the same time, but, you know, one episode in English, one episode in German, depending on the guest. Right, yeah. And so I start with, with an English guest or English-speaking guest, and I thought that that's a good start. So that feels great for me. Yeah. The question is, how does it feel for you? To be the first guest on the first episode of a, of a very new podcast. Well, I'll, I'll I'll tell you this: this is the first time I'm a guest on somebody else's podcast. Uh, I've I've done yeah I've done multiple podcasts uh, myself, and I've fronted one uh, that went on for a couple of years about video games. But this is the first time I'm actually a guest on somebody else's podcast. So it's uh it's nice to be in the other seat uh, for a change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I believe. Yeah. So, so when when did you when did you start to create music, and how did that happen? Um, well, music has always been a huge priority in my life from from like the minute I understood what those black boxes in the corners of my uh, living room did. You know, the, the radio, mm. what that was. I was sort of spellbound by by sound, and I've always been like that. So, I. I I studied something else before music and I was like uh, basically like a lighting engineer and stuff like that. And then I, I did that for like six months. I saw like, I would rather be on the stage instead of, you know, behind the buttons somewhere behind a desk. So mm -hmm. I started making music and I was about 15, I think when I first made my, my, my early horrible demo tapes. <laughs> <laughs> And I, uh, yeah, I just sort of spiraled from there. Did, did the um, did the whole band circuit thing, uh, and got my diploma as a musician, and yeah, I've been a solo artist ever since. Yeah, but that's how we all started, right? With tapes. 
I mean, I started with music cassettes. Uh, I remember those. Yeah, I'm just I'm just old enough to remember having a cassette deck and like taping over cassettes because you hear hear songs on the radio that you want to listen to as much as you want instead of you know having the radio dictate that to you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I did when I was little. You know, I had a cassette recorder. That was the name of the thing. And I I started recording radio shows with my favorite music, and you know that's how it all started. Yeah, exactly. All this, yeah. So why the name Echo Grid? Chris Anderson is a very nice name, and that would probably serve well as an artist name. So Echo Grid, what is it about? It, it was something else entirely. Uh, I think up until 2014, uh, I was making music under the name of Felion. And then at one point, I got a message on Facebook from from some idiot who um, <laughs> who said, like, if you don't change your, your artist's name, I'm going to sue you because I have the copyright on the name. Uh, I looked That's at, yeah, <laughs> like, and, and hearing that when you're like 21, it's like, what? Intimidated. It's very intimidated, but I, I was not intimidated enough to sort of not look into the guy and found out that he was full of shit. But while I was doing that, I also found out that the name Aphelion is a name that is used by a lot. It's a common term. Sort yeah. Of, right. It's, it's, yeah. A, it's used by a lot of artists and specifically it's used by a lot of like psychedelic chill out and ambient artists. And since I was one of those artists in those genres, I thought it mm. best to change the name to something else. Now mm. I wish I could tell you that there is a, a grand story or some deeper, a deeper meaning, meaning behind Echo Grid, <laughs> but in the end, it's just it's echo, which is a sort of a natural reverberation of sound, and then there's the grid part, which sort of stands for me being very into technology, very into sci-fi, and a grid is a like a very sci-fi sort of pattern that you see used in in media and iconography an awful lot. So that is all it is. It's two words that have a very vague link to what I like, but I like the mm -hmm. way the words sound together, essentially. That's right. I can I can uh, approve that. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. It's yeah. retroactively been approved. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we already touched that topic too. Um, but uh, did you have a so-called real job or university degree or something like that before you became a composer? Hmm. No, not really. I just went to school and... I have like a, a history with mental health. I suffer from major depressive disorder, which in the past, mm -hmm. before I learned how to control it, I sort of... Same here, by the way. Yeah, you told me about that before. It's insanely, <laughs> yeah, com right. it's insanely common, yeah. And it sort of like barred me from functioning properly for the longest time because you're a teenager slash a young adult. You suffer with mental illness. You just... Mm -hmm. Do not have the tools to to like not let it ruin your life. So outside mm -hmm. of me just staying in my house and making music to work through the sadness, there was very little energy or will to do anything else. Like I've done, mm -hmm. I, I've got odd jobs now. Like I've been, uh, I worked for like the, the postal service, and now I, I do like a bike career thing mostly because i like the exercise and like you touched on before mm. you are alone and i quite prefer being alone yeah so yeah. that's what i'm doing when i'm not making music yeah mm. would you say that music saved your life mm. i'm not sure it saved me 
but it definitely gives it purpose. Okay. I, I don't think I was ever really in, in, in danger of ending, as it were. But oh, you weren't? No, like, hmm. the, 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 there is a distinction that you, that you have to make between being, like, suicidal and um, having suicidal thoughts. Uh, having one hmm. does not necessarily mean you undertake the, the other, and that was fortunately true for me. Like, I, I still go through bouts where I have suicidal thoughts, but I've never wanted to hmm. act on them. So as in this context, music has not saved me, but music has given me an outlet for these feelings um, and, yeah, and, and same, yeah, for these yeah. thoughts, you know? So mm. it's, given, it, it's, it, it's given the years of feeling like shit on the inside, like a purpose. It, it, it feeds into the music, you know? Yes. And I think, yeah, you can hear that. I mean, yeah. you can hear it in your music, and I, I th also think uh, you can hear it in my music. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's uh, a vent. It's an outlet to to uh, express sadness and all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think for the both of us, like uh, our music is like a conduit for this sort of stuff. Like it, it just helps us to to process this and, and we, we both have that same sort of melancholy sense to our music. Like we, we might sound different, but it's not like we're not making Owl City records, you know, it's not some upbeat no. fucking Tyler, uh, Taylor Swift song or something like that. No, there's no, like no. a, there's like a certain feeling and mood there that is not yes. really present in a lot of like ha happy, upbeat music. Yeah, and you know, that music that you described, that upbeat, happy, whatever music, it also makes me feel sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have like songs that I like that are quite happy and, and upbeat. Like I'm, for the longest time I've been, uh, this is not really a secret, but it might be weird coming from me because of what you might expect when you listen to my music. But I'm, I'm quite mm. into Owl City. Uh, I've been uh, a Rihanna fan for the longest time. So it's not like I don't really? have... Like, yeah, like wow. music wow. in general, man. There's like the, the list of things that I won't listen to is is uh, much shorter than the list of things in music that I will listen to. So, but like mm. happy music has definitely got a place in my life. But melancholy, man, it's sort of got its claws in me years ago, and it won't <laughs> like go. Like from the minute where, where I discovered like metal and like goth music when I was a teenager, mm. it, that has always been sort of like a like a red through line through everything. <laughs> like, I just like sad fucking music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I saw you make or you made your uh, music available for free on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Why yeah. is that? Um, just because I like giving it away for free, uh, essentially. Like, it, part of it is like my philosophy towards money again, but part of me, mm. the other part is also like it's a it's a business kind of thing anyway. Like selling your music on either physical records or on stores for a fixed amount, it doesn't really do what it used to do. Nowadays, people stream. Like the majority of my income comes from uh, Spotify and Apple Music and Tidal, uh, mm. not from from Bandcamp. So there is oh Tidal really. Oh, yeah, it's not a lot, but it's a little bit, you know, <laughs> like mm -hmm. Spotify vastly outweighs pretty much any other store when it comes yeah, to I'm, the Because I'm, I'm a little bit surprised about Tidal um, because I make literally nothing from Tidal. <laughs> it is like the, the amount of money that they give me is 
negligible, you know, but it, it's yeah. still one of the bigger contributors. Like it, Napster is a smaller contributor, but it, it is a yeah, contributor. I don't even know that what, what's happening there with my numbers. <laughs> Napster. It seems but to be yeah. random, man. When it comes to like streaming services, you, you get, you either get picked up by the algorithm or somebody who works at one of those companies puts you in a playlist right. and then mm -hmm. the algorithm does the rest, you know, there's no real sense of community that you can build from there. Like, Yeah, places like Bandcamp do have that. Yeah, you told me already, like a while ago, that that you're doing quite well with uh, Spotify. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How well does it work? How did that happen? And, and is this a reliable source of income for you? It, it happened completely randomly. Um, I think it was 2016 when a track of mine called "Color" of my, I think it was my third album, Eventide, which I made in mm. 2013, I think. Uh, that track got picked out by somebody from Spotify themselves, one of the curators, and got put into the Sleep playlist, which at the time of me joining had about 2 million subscribers, which, may, which meant that for me, I went from having 100 plays a month to 50,000 a day for like a straight year and a half. <laughs> It, it's, it's ludicrous, man. Like, <laughs> Wow. It, it, it was like bizarre how lucrative that ended up being. And I had absolutely no hand in doing that apart from me making the song years ago and then years later just throwing it isn't, up. On isn't that weird? It is that, so that, strange. You know, yes. Yeah. Like the, You do nothing different than before and suddenly shit happens. Yeah. Like that track was, was on the surface for, for like two years before it was picked up and it wasn't even my newest track. So, you know, it, was, it wasn't like somebody was like looking through the new newly released stuff to put together a playlist. Now somebody just happened to stumble upon that track, liked it enough to put it in a huge fucking playlist, which turned me from a little bit like a lottery, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I ended up winning that lottery and that ended me. And in the end, I now have uh, on Spotify alone, like 10,000 people that listen to my music, like every Every Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's bizarre. I looked it up today, Dan, and it was like 7 million streams yeah. of color, right? Yeah. Yep. I got another million of, uh, of a track I released last year uh, on Apple Music yeah. instead, my track Burren. Um, but yeah, that, that got like 250K in the first. In yeah, the first so, so actually, I, I consider that that color is, is carrying all the other stuff. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, that is the track yeah. that is making it so that my other tracks are now popping up in people's algorithmic playlists, which is um, mm -hmm. giving me some actual long-term growth. I'm still growing despite mm -hmm. no longer being in that huge playlist. So, yeah, wow. uh, with, with Spotify, it seems to be that you have to get over a few big hurdles before mm -hmm. you can actually like gain momentum there. And yeah. I was fortunate enough. To be But a, you still yeah. have to do another job to provide for yourself. Yes. Uh, streaming services, while I love them as a consumer, and I also love them as an artist because of the reach, uh, they pay fuck all. I think Spotify <laughs> pays you like a percentage of a cent per stream. Like to make the normal like median income of um, where I live now, which is about 1,700 euro, you'd have to have 250,000 streams 
a month. That is wow. a ludicrous amount if you... Like, it's impossible. Yeah, exactly. Unless the algorithm favors you or somebody of Spotify or Apple Music actually favors you, there is very little chance of you actually going anywhere. I'm so far away from that. <laughs> Trust me, man. Like the, the royalty caches I checked uh, just a few years ago, they were quite significant. Uh, the ones I'm, I'm checking now. Uh, they pay a portion of my rent, but not all of it anymore. <laughs> even though, even though you'd think if you've got like a couple of a couple tens of thousands of streams every uh, every week, you would be able. But to I mean, it's a good foundation, right? Yes. Yeah. Like I, I am stressing. Well, I'm not really stressing about about the money. Like I'm pointing out that you get a relatively little amount of it on streaming services, but. Yeah, as you said earlier, like I give my music away for free on the side as as well, you know, unless a contract you know, does not allow me to do that, like with a track I released two years ago. But all my other stuff is is on there, uh, available for free in HD. So what what happened? What happened when I tried that on Bandcamp? That I said, okay, all my music is actually free, but pay what you want. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's a phenomenon. People always paid. Yes, yes. You do find that people uh, tend to pay for tracks and sometimes they tend to pay uh, even a bit more. Like um, in, in the past, like in, I, I've sold albums for like the first, I don't know, two years of this project being a thing. And I was asked like three or four, maybe five euro for an album. And now people would pay that, but it was just the five. They never really chose the option to pay more. But now that it's free, sometimes I get like an email from Bandcamp saying like somebody bought this track for like 20, you know, stuff like that. People yeah, yeah. people like that you're just giving it away for free you're not be, and you're not being like a dick about it, I guess. So they, <laughs> yeah. they, they feel like they want to support you a bit more. Right. I had one, one fan, he bought Babylon, which is a very long track of mine. It's mm -hmm. like 20 minutes long. He bought it for 100 euros. Jesus. <laughs> yes. Like, well, whenever somebody does something like that, because I, like, I am happy when people think of me at all. And I am, I, I, I am right. just even, uh, even more honored when somebody decides to shell out like any portion of money and, and give mm. that to me. So whenever somebody does that, I do like Bandcamp tells you the email address of the person that bought the track. So I yes. send them an email just thanking them. And, you know, oh, I do the same. Yeah. yeah. It's just just nice, you know. I don't really reach out to right. people that listen to my music a lot, but when mm. when something like this presents itself, I jump at the opportunity. Yeah, you know, when I email people to thank them for purchasing my music or whatever, mm. um, they're more reserved than I am. They don't want to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> or you get like, uh, or, or you get like, the, oh, I didn't think you, you you would actually talk to me. This and that, like. I'm I'm not a famous guy, man. Like I'm I'm I, I tend to hide behind a wall of privacy on the internet, but I'm I'm still a human and I'm just touched that somebody, you know, bought my music or let me know that they liked it. That's 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 amazing. Right. I'm really grateful, you know, and I just want to express it and, and say thank you and, and that's great. Thank yeah. you so much. And then uh some people don't even reply. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the way things, you know. <laughs> but i think that that is that is how we met each other as well like i think you messaged me at one point like last year or two years ago i don't remember how long it was and 
because I don't really get a lot of messages, I tend to respond uh, and, and take my time to respond to people as well. And that's how we started talking, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah. I don't even remember exactly what, what the reason was, but, you know, we got in touch somehow. Yeah. Mutual yeah. appreciation for music, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> so how well does Patreon work for you? Oh, it doesn't work at all. Like, I, I set it up, like, maybe two years Just ago. Just it. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Like, I don't really advertise it anywhere. I've never really pointed people to it. Like, I've I've got zero backers and, like, the text on the things. As well. oh. This is not really a requirement. My music will remain free whether you pay me or not. This is just if you want to support me a bit extra. If you don't, it's absolutely fine. And I don't really think about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I also tend to have issues with that because for me, it feels a little bit like, like begging, you know? Yeah, a little bit. Like... It, yeah. it's a it's a valid source of income and i think it's a great way for like fans of a project to support a project that, that they they want it's i just don't really know what else i can offer apart from you know what what i what i already and they want videos and such and i don't want to do videos no, no me neither like i like i'm so fucking introverted that even playing like video games to people that like my music like i've done that once i've never done it again it's because it just makes me <laughs> shy as fuck so like all all the extra like interaction that i can offer yeah. people would, would just go to my own detriment like i yeah it would sap a lot of energy off me and i, I don't You're know very much alike man yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel that way. i love the title king of nothing yeah uh how did that happen what what is what's your idea behind that hmm. it's about well it's a, it's a song about familial bonds and and breaking of them like this idea that you are born into a family and you have to uh love them without any condition no matter what happens it's wow Uh, it's about my own relationship with my father and my father figures in my life and, mm. and people that in, in, in a lot of ways think they own the world, but they are kings of nothing. So it's a song That's about deep that. shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it, like I make a reference to it on social media now as well, like referring to myself as the prince of nothing because I, I, yeah, because you're his son, exactly, and and I am very much aware that I'm uh, wow. I ain't shit, you know. <laughs> so. That that's another similarity because I I had a very very bad relationship to my father as well. Mm. Um, well, he died in 1992, but um, yeah we had the worst relationship ever and he was also pretty much a narcissist and uh very suppressing so that wasn't fun for me no i can't i don't imagine it was yeah yeah so that also feels familiar <laughs> king of nothing but actually i thought that you chose the title in regard to you know guys like trump or something like that who is for me is a king of nothing hmm. i I, I thought it was political. No, you know? no, like I, I, I make a point of not making my music like inherently political. Like I, I, I am a person with political opinions, like all of them. I just don't really feel like they have a place in in my music since uh, Echo mm. Grid has always been about the internal, the, how I, how I feel, the emotional side of being a, a person. I guess. Mm -hmm. 
I, I like in, like in, in in both the music and in in the words. I like to speak in like vague terms and paint in vague colors to leave it open to interpretation. Ooh, mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's just like I, I I like to leave things open to the imagination when it comes to what I do yes, as an artist yes. and, and I leave yeah. my opinions on on worldly things like this Muppet that is apparently the boss of the free world now like I leave that for my more personal life which I don't yeah. tend to mix in with uh, Echo Grid yeah okay I understand that <laughs> So anyway, I kind of have not a really political question, but uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the climate crisis. How do you see that? How do you feel that? What do you think about it? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, uh, right. As, now I have you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's such a layered conversation to have as well, so I don't know if I can be brief about it. but You don't need like, to be. As someone who loves going to places that are devoid of any people, like nature is sort of the last refuge that we fucking have. Mm -hmm. And the, the fact that, that our actions and the way our society is set up is killing it is a terrible, terrible thing. It stems mostly from people choosing comfort over future safety. Like, I want that Lexus now. No, I want to take the whole family by plane and go to the other side of the world. Like, yeah, I know it's bad for the environment, but eh. And that's how most people mm. feel about this. And I, and I think that this is not a problem that we are going to be able to solve purely because uh, as a people, we seem completely incapable of agreeing to something in one mm. voice. We all need to commit to bringing about something as big as climate change. And we need to do it all mm. together we will just fail at doing so. And like, this is very obvious, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Like all of this is tied to how corporations run the world as well, because it's corporations and their massive interests that are draining the planet dry of resources and depriving the world of what it needs to go on. Mm. And these, these corporations make so much money that changing course now for them would just not be viable because it would not make them as much money to be environmentally conscious than it would be to just mm. go on as they are now and since we increasingly see that they are the people that run the world i don't see it changing and that makes me sad yeah yeah so so do you think at the end of all of this there is actually the end I mean, like you know, we won't survive as a, as a, as mankind I don't, as a species. I don't know. Like, if we manage to survive until the sun goes out, like we will have to have colonized. That's a long time. That's a very long time. <laughs> that is billions of years. But probably, you know, yeah. We need to be able to start colonizing other planets to get the fuck away from this one before we we have like balls it all up. Like at this point, if we keep shooting satellites into our orbit will have a massive field of satellites around our planet that'll make it very hard for us to even leave it even if <laughs> we wanted to so okay. you know i i do not I, i'm not optimistic about our prospects if we keep going the way that we are now yeah. but i hope here, that we same. can do better yeah i'm very pessimistic about that as well I, yeah I, and it sucks right because you want to be positive uh, you want to be positive about it I, I want to be. It's hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
I should be scared as fuck because I live in a country that is entirely below sea level, you know? <laughs> but but uh, the Dutch people or the Dutch engineers are the best in the world regarding that. That's true. We reclaimed a huge part of the ocean and just turned it into a whole new province. That, that is true. We are, we are equipped to deal with cu the current ocean. I'm not sure how we can deal with the ocean in 60, 70 years if this whole shit keeps going. Which it probably will. So, yeah. So, what's your take on social media? Is it a necessary evil or good for the world? Uh, it's both. It has to be both. <laughs> uh, social media is a wonderful invention, probably the most significant inve invention of our lifetime because it essentially made borders fucking disappear. Like, I can talk to you now. If we wanted to, we can get someone from Africa to join the call, and it can all happen instantaneously. It has done more to connect people than even the radio has. Mm. On, the, on the other hand, social media is for a large part about posturing and comparing your lives to your life to those of other people, which we now know has a serious negative impact on mental health. So mm -hmm. It is great and it is terrible at the at the same time. Hmm. Are you very active on social media apart from Twitter, which uh, I know about that you're on Twitter? Yeah, I, I drift in and out of Twitter. Like I forget I have it for like three, four weeks and I come <laughs> back and I post like uh, 10 tweets about some unrelated thing. Or lately I've just been arguing with people who, who think the coronavirus is a side effect of 5G. You know? Oh, you What's did? Oh God! You did. That's fucking. <laughs> it, it is fucking horrible. I just can't stop myself. Like I, I go on Twitter and I read through the, these responses, and it's just—it's too easy to just go in and just tell someone that they're fucking stupid and, you and pick a fight, right? Yeah, exactly. You shouldn't <laughs> do that because Twitter is not made for discussions. Twitter is is made for no. blasting your dumbass opinion about stuff on the internet. Yeah, and everyone does, actually. Everyone so. does. That's a negative side effect of social media, definitely. Like, it has made us more argumentative, I I, yeah. I feel especially and I think not for the better actually it's not it's not constructive in, no, in, in no. any way and, and Twitter has all given us the false impression that um, just because we have an opinion means that everyone deserves to hear it and that's <laughs> that's definitely not true like <laughs> yes yes right yeah um, so what do you think about uh, AI I think it's interesting are we evil or good for the world uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure yet Like uh, the, the cyberpunk fanatic uh, inside mm -hmm. me is sort of giddy with excitement, but mm -hmm. my, my, my more logical brain uh, is probably on the same line as people like Elon Musk in that, yeah, AI is very cool, but we should be extremely careful in how we use it and make sure that we do not develop something akin to consciousness because mm. that is when ethics come into play. That is when we have created artificial life. And I do not think that humans as a species are equipped to deal with that in an ethical and responsible manner, if you look at our history, mm. even. Right. So, mm -hmm. But AI is a concept in a way that it is, it is now being applied to art. Uh, things like uh, music and, and photography mm -hmm. is incredible and very interesting. Like I've, I've heard like whole symphonies uh, composed 
by algorithms mm. now that sound pretty much exactly the same as a real orchestra would. Like there's a yes. there's an AI somewhere online. He he makes I say he it makes uh, <laughs> black metal records. So, so it's male, yeah. <laughs> I, I I guess it, it is whatever. Like gender is not a concept that applies to AI. I think <laughs> even though yeah. we all call Siri Siri, you know. But yeah, this is mm-hmm. there is this AI that makes. Uh, black metal records based on it listening to other black metal records and it it is kind of incredible how well it is managing to ape the style just based on sampling using its ai it's Mm -hmm. that is so cool like i see so many practical applications for ai within music that could make it better or make it more complex or just different than what it was before or make it interesting yeah yeah definitely i've got one more example if you want one (laughs) sure it's like uh i I saw that the other day that was like an online website where you could just find a song on spotify and then it would play that song and it will would compare the waveform to uh, an entry in the echo nest which is like an, an online music directory that has all a bunch of information about Pretty much every song ever. I, think I heard about that, or I yeah. even saw it. I think yeah, it, com- yeah. it compares it to the track that's playing, and it pinpoints tracks in the track that are similar enough to other points in the track, so it can loop them seamlessly and create an endless version of a song. And I listened Jesus. to it for a good half hour. And you do hear it skipping a little bit and fucking up here and there, but it's convincing uh-huh. enough to make me listen to fucking Gangnam Style for ten uh, minutes. And okay, after this, you need to send me the link again. Yeah, I'll look it up later. I, it's probably in my history somewhere. But it's kind of incredible. I tried it with one of my own tracks too. It's really weird. It's like it changes around like where the verses are and a little synth lines put somewhere else. It's, it's, it's really cool. Like I'm looking forward to seeing where that tech is in like three, four years time because already it's quite insane. The dimensions of this are, are not anything I could grasp right now. Yeah, exactly. It will be. It will be huge. Oh yeah, it's already been applied more than we we think it is. Like a lot of newspapers worldwide, a lot of the articles now are written by AI based on really? official news. Yeah, like based on official news statements and stuff. And I've I've read those articles and could not at any point figure out. Yeah, where, where an algorithm was right and where a human would be, it, it was no, the same. Yeah. So yeah, a- AI is already being deployed on a, on a larger scale than, than people seem to think. Yeah, wow! It's exciting. Oh, so you're also a fabulous photographer. Um, I wouldn't say fabulous. <laughs> well, I would say. Oh, well, thank you very much. I, I, I like your stuff. Hmm. Thank you. So, how did that happen? Um. I just bought a camera a couple of years ago just because I had a feeling uh, th- this is something I could do. <laughs> Turns out it was something I could do. And I uh, learned how to use Lightroom to do like uh, post effects and mm. color grading and stuff like that. And uh, I-, I uploaded it all to uh, to unsplash.com, which if you are not familiar is a, is a stock photography website. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I added you, or I follow you. Oh, yeah. well, thank you very much. You should upload there more often. I haven't really done that much. Uh, yeah, uh, I upload stuff on Pexels, actually. All oh, right, yeah, I've been I've been on there for for a hot minute. Yeah, yeah. but I like on Splash more. Like, 
Uh, I think I got an email like a while ago that I was like in their top 500 contributors or something like that. And then I checked my stats and it was like uh, 50 million uh, views, like tens of thousands of downloads. Oh man, like, you're, you're the man of the millions with Spotify and Unsplash. <laughs> <laughs> and none of those millions make me actual millions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's something wrong about that. We need to change that. <laughs> yeah, I think Google at one point used one of my photos as, um, as like a default option for a phone case for one of the Google Pixel phones a couple of years ago. And because Unsplash really? is like a, yeah, like Unsplash is like a royalty-free thing. So any company ever could just take it and not credit you. But um, hmm. yeah, Unsplash tracks what companies end up using your shit. And yeah, there's people on this earth walking around with a fucking photo I made of some flowers in my mother's backyard hmm. on their phone. <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's quite cool. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great how things can spread through through the internet. It's, it's cool. Right. How would you describe your own music? It's just, you know, working through the things that I'm feeling like, and, and lately just experimenting with like sounds that I like listening to. Like I, I used to listen to ambient exclusively for like a good three, four years. Mm -hmm. So I, I was woefully behind on all the other things that happened in, in music. And the last couple of years, I've been more into dance music. I've been getting back into drum and bass again. I've been listening to more metal, more reggae, stuff like that. And I stopped wanting to just be like an ambient artist. I want to I do more with the noises that I hear all the mm -hmm. time. I want to put them in mm -hmm. my own music. So I've taken up sampling more. I'm using influences from dance music now. Uh, there's even like guitar solos in the track that I'm working on now, which is mm -hmm. like the furthest thing away from ambient stuff that I've ever gone. Mm -hmm. It's kind of scary for me. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think uh, the people that like, you know, stuff like color, you know, that, that are sort of your fans, do you think they will be like irritated I would imagine so. Yeah. I, I've already had like, <laughs> I've always said there's like, when you get one, sort of response to your music, one specific response to your music, then you've actually made it. And that is, you used to be better, you know? And I had, <laughs> yeah, and I, and I had that comment on one of my newer tracks, like, uh, like a while ago. And it said, like, I liked you, I liked you better. We were still amber, man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. People, I think they, they don't realize that we don't make music for them. Uh, no. No, not really. I, I make music for me to express myself. And uh, lately, I, I felt like expressing myself more in breakbeats and, and retrowave bass lines as opposed to 15-minute uh, drones, you know? But that's not to say I'm done with ambient. Like, ambience is always going to be a large part of my music. I just like moody music in, in general. And I might make the odd drone track, but for now, it's just something else. And I'm very much enjoying what I'm doing. Color, for example, is there's not a lot going on. It's no. it's uh, mo mostly pads and soundscapey stuff. Yep, it's me Bradley um, playing the guitar. Oh really? <laughs> oh oh yeah yeah. There's like an acoustic guitar and there's a there's a solo in in there. Usually I, I ask my friend to do my guitar parts for me because he's an, an amazing guitarist. But I did that myself. It's a couple of really very. Uh, sort of melancholic uh, minor chords, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like, I'm not a yeah. guitarist. Like, I, I, I don't know music theory at all. 
So mm-hmm. when I, whenever I write something, I write it just by ear. Like I don't really think about building chords or stuff like that. I'll just mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just play around with the notes until I find something that fits, and then I'll work with it. The same with the guitar. I have no idea what chords I played there. Could I re- <laughs> if if somebody explained to me how to do the chords again, I'll do them. You know, <laughs> but yeah, yeah there, there was no sort of technical approach to that track there's not really a technical approach to any of my tracks i just maybe that's the secret of of you know i think so uh, yeah like i've been sort of hesitant to learn music theory because it 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 seems to be working for me just fine without it you know maybe music theory or learning music theory would destroy it maybe like then i would maybe approach it less emotionally and uh, i don't know I would not want that. Or maybe I'm just lazy. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So now comes the serious questions. Oh, (laughs) we've had global warming and politics, but now the serious questions are coming. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay. When, when were you happiest? I think I'll I'll tell you about a recent peak. Um, Okay. It was uh, three years ago now. Uh, I was in the south of France, near the uh, Spanish border in the uh, uh, Bay of Biscay. Mm. Uh, I, I was out there camping for three weeks with uh, a, couple, a couple of friends of mine. We were right next to the mountains in Spain, like right next to them. Like, uh, the I Pyrenees. Walked, yeah, it was m- maybe 20, 30 miles away, like everywhere around us. We our campsite was on a cliff right next to the ocean in between two huge beaches that were both private and you could mm. just see mountains all around you. And for like two weeks, I kept pestering my friends and like, can we go to the mountains today? I want to go to the mountains today. Let's go to the mountains today. <laughs> uh, finally, in like the second week, we, we went there. We climbed on top of that thing. We had the most amazing view of a valley with mountain ranges stretching as far as the eye can see. There were eagles flying above us. It was amazing. And that was, I think, the the biggest peak I've had in the last couple of years. I was truly, truly soaring then. Like I was away from pretty much everyone and everything in an absolutely gorgeous location that sounded beautiful. Like you, as no other, will probably know the sound of an actual forest, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was an amazing experience. And yeah, I think that was the last time I was truly happiest. I would really consider myself super happy. Yeah. Great. <laughs> so what's your greatest fear? Mm. Wasps. Definitely wasps. <laughs> You're kidding me. You're kidding me because I have the same issue. Oh God, man! Like I'm, I'm not really. A, I don't get scared quickly. Like yeah. whenever there's danger around me, I don't. I don't freak out usually. But when there's a wasp mm. near me, dude, I drop whatever and I run the opposite direction. <laughs> I totally understand because I'm exactly the same. Oh God, people, the fear. People think I'm an idiot because I get really hysterical. You oh know, no, me too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I do yeah, the high pitched voice, my arms are flapping about. And <laughs> yeah, like a pussy. Right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then the minute the wasp is gone, I return to my calm self 
everything's fine. <laughs> of course, of course. I'm, I'm, yeah, right. As if I'm nothing ever happened. <laughs> and and I also I also really hate ticks. Oh yeah, I'm, I've been lucky enough to never have one myself, but I know what they look like, and I don't want them near me. <laughs> I, I once had seven ticks in one day, Oof. and That's one a... of them on my bolt. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> So now I dropped it on the podcast. <laughs> now everyone knows. Well, everyone who listens. Oh, man, that's like the one of the worst fucking places to get one as well. Yeah, it was a nightmare, man. Shit. I had to go to the hospital to have it removed. Yeah, obviously. Because you know, I didn't want I didn't want to do it myself to to not fuck anything up. Yeah. And I also didn't want to to have anyone do it other than a doctor. You know. Yeah, wise choice. You don't, you don't, you know, you know, you don't joke about with your jewels. You just don't. <laughs> yeah, and my brother was uh, with me, and he was with me in the hospital, and he was he couldn't stop laughing all the time. <laughs> and I couldn't <laughs> laugh at all because it was so horrible. <laughs> ah, but it's not happening to him. So to him, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, actually, he, he, you know, we were like having a walk in the forest, and that's where I picked them up. And mm. he had none. Oh man! I mean, you have a perfect word for this in German. You're the only country in the world that has a word for this specific, specific emotion. That's Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude, yes, right, yeah. That, that's why he was laughing. Schadenfreude has become a very, very uh, uh, common term, also in English, right? Yeah, yeah. As the years gone by, it's used more and more, mainly because the internet. And you know what? there's something really funny you know the word kindergarten is a german word yeah it's used in america mostly yeah, yeah. Yep. and now no one in germany says that anymore because it's not politically correct really yes we say kindertagesstätte which means like a place where kids go to spend their day yeah yeah we have that in dutch too kinderdagverblijf yeah so yeah. kindergarten is non-existent anymore now, you know, everyone in the world uses kindergarten, but not the Germans. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is weird. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think so. Well, uh, at least we use Schadenfreude. Yes, <laughs> it's a good word. <laughs> yeah. So what is your earliest memory? Earliest memory? Mm -hmm. I know it's a hard one, but... I think it has to be my aunt's wedding. I must have been about three, I think. I remember that because you know, you know, you know how kids are really fucking stupid. I was one of those <laughs> kids, you know. Uh, I remember she had like the the wedding cake was there, and I got, got given a slice, and on top of that was like a little dove, and me thinking this is part of the cake because it is on the cake. Turned so out it was like it. I ate it. It was plaster. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> Did it come out in the natural way, or oh no, like I, like I instantly knew something was up and just you know started you laughing. <laughs> okay, so you spat it out. I spat it out. Yes, <laughs> but that I, I right. think that is like my earliest memory. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which is me just making an absolute idiot of myself, which is true to form. Well, you were three, so that's true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What is your most treasured possession? Most treasured possession. I know oh. you don't give much about possessions, but you know you must yeah. have one really like a, important possession. 
like I'm not very sentimental. Like I have absolutely nothing from my childhood, for instance, like nothing. The only photos I have of that time are owned by my mother. I have no clothes mm. from that time. No, no, nothing. So, yeah. So I don't really own something like that. Like I put value in some things, but it's not, not really a specific thing that I can't really do without. What about your studio monitors? Yeah, I guess so. I bought them for like 150 eight years ago and they're still going on me. That's kind of nice. I'm thinking, <laughs> thinking of replacing it for four years, but you know. <laughs> well, they still work. They still okay. work. Exactly. That's my yeah. philosophy. If it still works, I'm not throwing it away. So, Right. But yeah. Um, not a very sentimental guy in general, so I don't really think I have a satisfying answer to this particular question. The, the, that's an answer, and it's it's fine. <laughs> Good. Um, so, what, if ever, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with the cliche that I wanted to be an astronaut. Because space no, is really? just cool. Of course. <laughs> space is just cool, man. Like, it's never stopped being cool. You know, my music has been right. influenced by my love for it up to a certain degree. So yeah. I, I wanted to be an astronaut. Uh, figured out pretty quickly. Neil deGrasse Tyson would agree. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I ended up not really agreeing with that career path, though. <laughs> 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 so music is what it is. But yeah, yeah. I wanted to be an astronaut. Okay. I wanted to be an architect. Oh, that's also very Well, that was actually the first thing I wanted to be bef before I discovered that I wanted to be a rock star. Oh, <laughs> being a rock star is a very powerful pull. <laughs> yeah, I didn't become uh, either, but closer to the rock star. <laughs> but you appreciate it all the same, I think. Like uh, It has faded, sort of. Right. I, I found it interesting when I was a, when I was a kid. Right. You know, when architects uh, build houses, and I found that very uh, fascinating. Yeah. Uh, now I find it boring. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. I, I <laughs> love looking at buildings. Like, I'm more an admirer of good architecture than I could ever be an architect. But yeah, whenever I'm in a, in a new city, I always look out for like pretty buildings and try to photograph them. Yeah, actually, Rotterdam has some great, uh, well, the whole of uh, the Netherlands has some great architecture, actually. Yeah, it, it, it has its merits. Like, a lot of it is quite boring, but we have quite a few places that are been quite to Germany. <laughs> well, you have been to Germany. Once. But, uh, <laughs> Once it has made no impression on me, hence I have not returned. <laughs> yeah, right, right. If you compare, if you compare the Netherlands to Germany, architecture-wise, Germany loses big. Yeah? Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, is there a book that sort of has changed your life or that was very important or is very important to you? Oh, shit, dude, here we go. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> All those cliches, man. Astronaut, right, yeah. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it goes even further, mate. I've got the rune for Gandalf tattooed on my foot. Like, I am legit into talking. Wow. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I I give my my gadgets names. Really? What have you named? Yes, your phone? and uh, my phone is well. It's a new phone. I haven't given it a name. Now that you mention it. Oh well, there's your homework. Really, it's it's just like two weeks old. Uh, mm. 
I forgot to give it a name. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my computer's name is Gandalf. Gandalf. <laughs> all right. Yes. And I, have, I, have a, I have a couple of smart home devices that, that all have a name. And I think one is Galadriel. Ah. So, yeah. I like I'm, that I'm a lot. In, <laughs> I'm also into into. Uh, I think it's a it's a light bulb. Um, oh right, yeah, yeah, which which of kind of fits with Galadriel, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. she shines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that that book was well, that that series of books was uh, was a big influence on me. I was a huge huge reader when I was a kid, and that sort of introduced mm-hmm. me to more like grown up writing, I guess. Because it's I don't know if you've ever read. Lord of the Rings, but it's a very dry book. Like, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, it's, it, it reads more like uh, an account of history than a, than a mm. story, essentially, which makes it quite mm. hard to get into. But and I, it's I, huge, right? I oh mean, the whole God. Tolkien universe is. Tolkien is not interested in making the story end. He's interested in telling you everything that the story goes through in as much excruciating detail as he possibly can he yeah, will stop right. every page to tell you about the surrounding landscape for about half uh, half uh, a chapter or something like that not everyone's style i quite like mm. that <laughs> <laughs> so are you into fantasy in general or just lord of the rings i'm not as big into fantasy now as that I was, but yeah, I still still have a fondness for it and like video games and stuff. Like I did play World mm. of Warcraft for about eleven years. <laughs> I have a very close friend. Uh, he really had uh, sort of uh, addiction issues with uh, World of Warcraft. Oh, it's made for you to be addicted by. It has so many systems yeah. that require you to keep playing at least every day mm. in order to you know, stay on par with the rest of the player right. base. It is, it's very addictive. Yeah. I never had yeah. much trouble quitting, but there was a, there was a good while where me and my brother, we, uh, we just not go to school and just play Warcraft for days. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm totally not into gaming, so I have no idea what all this is about. I never played any game. Really? No, I'm ah. totally not into gaming. And I, I, I I cannot even explain why. Uh, it, yeah, it's it, not for everyone, you know. Not, yeah, nothing. Nothing about it attracts me. Yeah, I don't know. Absolutely fine. Yeah. It's well, one yeah. of one of my favorite hobbies, but I can totally get like I dated people that were not into them at all, and yeah, it's just it, if it's not your thing, it's it's not your thing, you know. Nothing yeah. wrong with it. All right, <laughs> that makes me feel better. <laughs> hey, like what you like, man. You don't have to justify that to anyone. If you don't want to indulge in something, you just don't indulge. So what is your guiltiest pleasure? I don't I don't believe in guilty pleasures. Like yeah, you either like something or or you don't, you know? So, okay. Like I've got I've I've got friends that always like sort of act sort of coyly because they're like ABBA or some shit. They're like, yeah, I should like ABBA, but I like ABBA. And I just just like your thing, man. Like, I like some really bad rap music, which I acknowledge is very fucking bad. Like, remember uh, Gucci Gang by like Lil it? Pump? You know? Remember that song a couple no years idea. ago? It's no, it's I'm this totally bad mumble rap, rap yeah. song. It has absolutely no lyrics. It has no, me- like, message. It is just boring. This stupid mm. party music. But I like it. You know? <laughs> 
Can you explain why you like it when it, when you also think it's stupid? Uh, it's just a good beat, uh, I guess. Like, uh, I, I find it easy. So the, the the rapping is stupid, but but the music isn't that bad. Like, he, he, here's the thing: it's not trying to be Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Like, it's not trying to be a symphony by <laughs> what Beethoven. A what a comparison! <laughs> no, exactly. But, but that, that's why I don't don't mind like listening to that stuff, and that's why I can sort of like I, I really don't really believe that. Uh, a lot of bad, there is a lot of bad art, but there is merit in a lot of art at the same time. And when I say Lil Pump is no Freddie Mercury, I'm also saying mm. they're not trying to do the same thing. Like Freddie Mercury was, was trying to sing about his experiences in a way that is so uniquely him and so uniquely empowering. That's what he was trying mm. to do. He was trying to be dramatic. He was trying to be grand. He was trying to be him. Well, Lil yes. Pump just wants to make dumb party music you sing along to with your mates when you drink too much. So, so he served the purpose. Yeah, exactly. And you can and you can make an argument for both being very successful at the exact same thing. But yeah, right. Yeah, because it doesn't have much in the way of a message or isn't particularly well written. A lot of people mm. sort of pan stuff like like that, like mumble rap and rap in general. I think. Are, are getting treated yeah. quite badly because of that. Because people are saying, mm. shit is bad. And then comparing it to other things that are supposedly good, whereas the good thing and the bad thing are not trying to do the same thing. It's apples mm. and oranges, mm. essentially. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of, who was it, Kanye West, who who tried to uh, sing like Freddie Mercury or something like that? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw that. Oh, God. <laughs> Kanye West, dude. We could get into him if you like. Like, I've been a long time fan of Kanye West. <laughs> really? Oh, Jesus. God. I think he's the one oh. that, put, that turned me to autotune, man. Like, I heard 808 Heartbreaks, <laughs> an album of his years ago. And in an interview, he said, like, it's like an album. It's the first album where he sang. And he sang with autotune. But, like, a very obvious auto-tune it was very robotic and over the top and stuff and people were panning it saying like well if you can't sing you shouldn't sing and he's like i've got these melodies in my head i've got this idea in my head i want to do it myself and the emotional message that i have contrasts well with the cold metallic auto-tune effect over it and when i heard that i was like he fabricated a nice explanation exactly and it resonated mm -hmm. with me i was like shit Why, why don't why don't I do that too? Like, I I I've always been influenced by sci-fi stuff, by cyberpunk. And I'm pretty sure so. you can sing much better than Kanye West. I'm not entirely Naturally. sure. Maybe at some point I was able to do that, but throughout the years I've not really been keeping up with the practicing. So me singing with just dry vocals without any production on them mm. is definitely not as pretty as it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about because. You know, my throughout my life, my my voice turned into bear. You know, <laughs> I, I had a I had a really nice singing voice uh, mm. when I was like I don't know thirteen, fourteen, and then it it changed, and then everything was destroyed. Oh. You know, now I, now I sound like a drunk bear or something like that. Look, luckily, you have the chops in audio production, and you have autotune, so you can fix that. It's been working well. Yeah, for me. I always. <laughs> You know, I even even with the well, of course, I started the production of the pod podcast, as you know, mm. and I have to cut everything below 125 hertz, right? Because otherwise, your speakers will explode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, because just just too too boomy, too too bassy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also think I don't know exactly because I had the wrong settings with my microphone. But the first recordings, I, I have a very sharp S. Mm. You know? From I like have a to de S a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh are there any words or phrases you think you overuse? Which ones? God, I'm not sure about that. Stupid question, right? <laughs> I I'm I'm not sure there's any like phrases. I don't think it's a stupid question. I think it's not, I think it's a funny one. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I, I'm half Scottish and I'm from the Rotterdam area. Both areas are are, are associated with people cursing an awful lot. So mm -hmm. I, I don't particularly overuse phrases, but I will curse an awful lot. Like <laughs> Like fuck and fucking and yeah, been, everything with fuck, right? Yeah, I've been trying to, to trying to sort of like damn myself in a bit in this conversation, but I, yeah, no, you don't need to because I already uh, set the podcast to uh, explicit language, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but what if some children get behind the age restrictions and they can still hear us? <laughs> not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> you you want them? <laughs> I'm not doing this for children. Yeah. Now I think like swearing is like a vice of my of mine. It just it just makes a sentence more powerful just by virtue of it being there. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a tool of expression. I, I like to use it as well. <laughs> it, it it works, so I use it. Yeah, yeah. there's a, there's a reason. Whenever people learn a new language, they always learn the curse words first. You know, like right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's what's the trait you most deplore in others? Ah, dishonesty. I don't like. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm okay with who I am as a person enough to be all right with my own flaws. So I like people to be like honest about who they are because I am honest with other people. Like be genuine, essentially. Mm, authentic. Like, yeah, exactly. You don't have an agenda when you're hanging out with people or something like that. Well, today I have one. Yeah, well, well it's a, a podcast it's mutually <laughs> agreed upon. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thank you. It's it's different. Like, no, I I don't like it when people aren't being genuine, yeah. which doesn't really come as a surprise for people who values like expression above all else. I think everyone would agree to that, or even say that, or say the same. Yeah, that's so. True. Why are there even people not being honest? Yeah, How is that possible? I guess <laughs> if everyone is so honest, like they pretend to be, you know, there would there wouldn't be any liars on earth. That's true. Unfortunately, yeah. there's a lot of them. Yeah, right. And I guess so the at, next question... at, at, at any point, like you and I have been guilty of the same crime. Who isn't? Yeah, of course, of course. What is the worst thing anyone's ever said to you? Oh. I... I'm seriously thinking, like, what is the worst thing someone has Take said? Take your time. Because I tend to go along with people quite well, like, generally. Like, I'm I'm avoidant by nature, but... Mm. I, I yeah, don't but have... there must be something someone said to you that really was hurting or... Stuck with me. Ugly or something like that. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm just... Like, I'm sure there is a, there are examples. I just can't really think of any of them right now. I think that's good. 
No, exactly. Like, like generally, I do all right with people, and people do all right with me. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't really get into many altercations. <laughs> um, what has been your biggest disappointment? Uh, biggest disappointment. I had a I had an opportunity a couple of years ago to uh, work abroad at like some uh, telecom company in uh, mm. in in Ireland in uh, in a very good apartment you know with a with a lot of good money and stuff and I sort of regret not mm. doing that because that would have really benefited me at that stage in my life I guess. Mm -hmm. So so yeah. you disappointed yourself. Yeah, I guess so. Like I was just uh, like. At that point in my life, there was a lot going on, and I was sort of scared to sort of move, mm. to sort of take the plunge and maybe do something that would have been very interesting to do. Mm. But yeah, ended up not not doing it. So I was a bit disappointed in not really having the fortitude to sort of take a step. Sort of having the balls to go the step. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, okay. Ah, you're young. Could still happen yeah. at another time. <laughs> 29 going on 30. <laughs> yeah, that's very young. Yeah. Mm, which living person do you most despise and why? <laughs> God. <laughs> okay, so I guess we're talking about politics then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's already been established that I'm not a huge fan of Trump. Uh, I, I, yeah, of course. I not. think, yeah, yeah I, I read your Twitter feeds. Like, I read some German, so <laughs> I know what you think mm -hmm. about the dude as well. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a fucking idiot, and I can't, like, as, <laughs> as the days go on, I, I find it more and more shocking that he's allowed to go on. Like, yeah. Uh, what was it? Was it yesterday where, like, uh, A reporter. Yeah, he quit a press yeah, conference. Yeah, right? who, who yeah. happened to be Asian asked him why he he's considering his policy to be a race with other countries to yeah. win this virus, and he just starts mm. spouting nonsense to her about asking China that question. You'll be surprised right. of the answer. And I'm like, and then he just walked off. It's like mm -hmm. th th this is a man that cannot take any sort of criticism on a public podium. Uh, and needs to be on Twitter in order for him to feel validated, for him to spout his fucking nonsense. Whereas now, like, <laughs> what was it, 20,000 people are dead now in New York? Or was it more? I don't know like, exactly now. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous what this man prioritizes when his country is, well, he always says that America's number one, and it's true, because we're always number one in how to not fucking do something. And this mm. whole situation is made worse by the fact that he's in fucking charge of it. And I would yeah, not I think normally... he doesn't care about anyone else than himself. I'm, I'm not sure what he cares about. Because, like, hmm. if he should care about himself a little because this is not really doing him any favors. Like, his public opinion is going down so quickly and so sharply now. He's hmm. the president under the highest unemployment in, what, 80 years or something like that. And he's hmm. just... Hmm. He's too busy on Twitter just complaining about what fucking Fox News said about him. Like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I think he's one of the most despicable people in the world outside of, you know, your 
regular dictators like uh, your Netanyahu's, you know, your Kim Jong-un's and shit. So if you could go back in time, where would you go? Fuck, man. Like, I, I've always been interested in the Viking age, the Viking period, like medieval England, stuff like that. Another would, similarity. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting part of history, you know, like a couple yeah, of beady guys. Very brutal, on, actually. Yeah, it's, a, it's the fucking story of a couple of beady guys on boats just wrecking Europe shit for a couple hundred years. <laughs> it's just cool, you yeah. know. So I would have loved to see that time with my own eyes, but let's be honest here, I'll be dead within a day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a yeah, dangerous time. Do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I would have loved to to live uh, in in such a village, you know. Yeah, yeah, just and to just see what live it was the like. Viking life in the Kattegat or whatever, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I would I'm also not have... that much of a boat guy, you know. I wouldn't have been <laughs> comfortable on a boat that much. You like flying more? Uh, not, not at all. Yeah, I'm, me, I'm me more neither. The, the earth guy, the, yeah. the ground guy. <laughs> yeah, dude, I will fly, but I will not like it, and I will complain about it the entire time. The thing is in the air. I don't. I do not like flying. <laughs> yeah, I hate flying, and I fly so much. Yeah. I had to, and I hated it, or I still hate it so much. And, yeah. and now I'm happy that I'm. I don't have to anymore. The whole process is just shit. I don't. You're in a fucking metal totally. bird, 10 kilometers in the sky, going 800 right. kilometers an hour. It just does, it yeah. does not feel right to me. I want the yeah. earth under my feet. <laughs> right, same here. <Yeah>. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you're you're pretty tall, like me. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. So we don't have any space, and, and nope. everything's hurting after four hours or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even earlier. Yeah. I started going by train everywhere. Like last time I went to England, I went by train as well. Way better. Nice. So, by the way, you have two passports, or you have? No, I was. Uh, I was born here, and at some point, I, I think I can't do that anymore. But I, I could have had a dual citizenship if I wanted to, but mm, mm. never really did that. And I don't really see the upside of it either. You know, so does does your heritage uh, of your father does it count when uh, you know after Brexit when you want to go to let's say you you would like to go to live in Edinburgh? Uh, um, would it yeah. count? Yeah, yeah, he he is a dual citizen. He's got a Dutch passport and he's got an, uh, an English one. Yeah, mm. but would it count for you? I mean, I'm not sure. Maybe I've got enough ties there. Like I've got a lot of family in the north of England that could sort of vouch for yeah. me if I ever wanted to move there, which I may want. Um, like I complain about England a lot, but I, I love it as mm. a country. It's yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it is. It's a beautiful mm. countryside. You know, London's awful, but the rest is quite pretty. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Okay, Vikings. Vikings. Um, yeah, Vikings. <laughs> Where would you most like to be right now? Uh, County Hoff uh, in Ireland. Uh, it's uh, quite close to uh, to Dublin. It's like a very small seaside town built into uh, into a large hill. It's very scenic, mm -hmm. and it's um it's only a stone's throw away from endless stretches of absolutely nothing but cliffs <laughs> and mountains. So. Uh, yeah, I would love to be there, basically, at any point in my life, ever. Um, mm -hmm. My alternate would be Paris. That's a city I very much fell in love with years ago. And, uh, mm -hmm. continue, and continue to go to, like, almost every year, except this one. 
<laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. What do you consider your greatest achievement? Hmm. I think um, managing to make quite a few albums and EPs like solely on my own, uh, releasing them through various labels and stuff. But I, I wrote the music, I performed the music, I pretty much did everything for it. And I'm, I'm really proud of the things that I've been able to do because of that. And even prouder to see where my music has gone to now and how many people have listened to it and are listening to it right right now. Mm. I, I think I sometimes get messages from people saying that I was like a, a, like a good part of a difficult time for them. My music helped them in some way. Uh, yeah, I get the same. Yeah. I consider that to be like the, the crowning fucking achievement to, to have made a difference yeah, in somebody's life, you know? It's a great feeling when you get a message like that. Yeah, definitely. There's this there's this guy, he's been messaging me on, on SoundCloud like maybe once a year for the past five or something like that. And when he started messaging me, he told me that he's uh, an automotive designer student. He was uh, studying to uh, to become a designer at an automobile company. And mm. he messaged me a couple of times through his career as a student, telling me that he listens to my music constantly when he's designing stuff. And um, like half a year ago, he sent me a message saying like, yeah, I work at this uh, company now that's making the first Indian supercar and I'm designing <laughs> it. And I'm like, and I still listen to your music. And I was like, shit, man. That's like, <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I've just been like a constant companion to somebody else that I don't know who lives in India. Yeah. I've been listening to my music for years now, you know, and, and still thinks of me enough to yeah. like send me a message every now and then just ask me how i'm doing and stuff that's that's really cool like mm. st stuff like that is uh, it's not the reason why i do this but it's definitely one of mm. the huge benefits it's just being connected to these people's and to these people in a way through your music yeah yeah would you like those people to know more or deeper things about you mm. i think this podcast is the most open i've ever been about who I am as a person. Yeah, I've, 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 I'm I'm a very private person. I tend to be quite secretive about who I am. Like if you if you look at my Instagram feed as well, like whenever my face is on is on there, it's, I'm wearing a mask yeah. and my face is distorted, you know, digitally. Yeah. So I I don't tend to be open, and I don't tend to be more open after this either. This is more like a I don't know one off peek behind the curtain that ended today <laughs> yeah i guess so like <laughs> well we, you know what i i can i can tell you we're in one boat there <laughs> because uh yeah really the decision to make a podcast i think it makes no sense if you're not authentic and if you're not yeah the guy you are yeah exactly so there's no point in doing the podcast talking about stuff or yourself or whatever yeah not being yourself and not being honest so that's a huge step for me. Yeah. And it feels like it feel it feels like the biggest mountain I ever had to climb in my life. Yeah, especially as an as an introvert, you know, starting these sort of things right. is very easy. Yeah. But you've done it yeah. once so, now and you, you seem comfortable yeah. enough. So it, it it feels like jumping jumping into the cold water and you cannot jump back. You know, yeah. Once you jump, you you jumped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now I announced it everywhere, and I said I'm going to do it, and and you know, yeah, there's no way back. To it now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because once I say something, I also do it. You know, 
So yeah, exactly. There's no way back. <laughs> so maybe that makes you feel better. I'm in the same situation like you, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I'm uh, I'm happy to be on the first uh, first episode. It's just a nice conversation, you know. Yeah, right. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's coming to an end in like five to ten minutes. All right. I have a couple of more questions. I, I just see that we are we are talking for like more than one and a half hours. <laughs> Shit. Wow. Well, you know, if Joe Rogan can do podcasts for three, four hours, then we can do two hours. <laughs> yeah, we can. So um if, if you could have one, what would your superpower be? Uh invisibility. <laughs> Ah, I could have, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would have, I, I would have loved that, like completely be able to just disappear into the background of anything. So people leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> Or do you want to want to spy on on people? Nah, I probably steal stuff from stores though, because it's like a slippery. Really? Yeah, but like at first, like, like you, you, for a couple of years, you'd be a good boy, you know, because you've got the superpower, you want to be responsible with it, but then you sort of ease into having it. And then you're like, oh, if I can just, I can just do this without consequences. So who am I hurting in the end? So I can see that being a slippery slope. <laughs> I would not instantly run to my nearest convenience store and just stack up and fucking noodles. But you know, at some point, maybe <laughs> we are all but human. <laughs> right, right, right. What makes you? Uh, we actually covered that. What makes you unhappy? Yeah. Uh, Being like like being constantly busy sort of has a counterproductive effect on me. Like not mm. not being able to have like a, a part of the day where I can just let my mind wander and not really do anything at all. Uh, not having that makes me unhappy. Um, so you don't function under pressure. Uh, not particularly well, no. So, uh, like, one of the reasons why I stopped doing like uh, albums with labels and just switched to singles and EPs was because yeah, I couldn't. They really have deadlines that. and such, right? Exactly, like release windows <laughs> you have to stick to. And I just like, yeah. even though I could make a deadline, I would just stress out about it, and that would mm, slow mm. down the music making process. And you know, between you and me and anybody else tuning in. I feel yeah. like some of my tracks and albums have suffered from filler because of that. So, oh, I've, yeah, really? I, mm. th there's like tracks that I don't really like listening to myself anymore because mm. it feels. Oh, I have a lot of that. Been better, yeah, yeah. But well, I personally um, tend to function well under pressure. Mm. I can be very productive under, under pressure when I have a when I have a deadline or something like that. I, mm -hmm. I can uh, you know grow out of myself and become bigger than I actually am. Mm -hmm. um, It's a good quality to have. Yeah, I don't know, but I don't have any deadlines anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that is so also maybe, a good quality to have. <laughs> yeah, but I also have um, a lot of tracks I don't like anymore. Mm. Yeah, most I, uh, of them are sort of like officially disavowed by releasing a compilation album, uh, mm. like in 2018, I think. And that mm. was consisting of tracks that I do still like from my older ones. Mm. Yeah, I don't, mm. the, the tracks that are not on that compilation, I, I don't personally like 
to listen to. Do you actually have a have a um, sort of Echo Grid complete playlist on Spotify or somewhere else? Uh, yeah, I combined all my ambient tracks into a Spotify playlist. You can probably find it on my artist profile. If not, I'll just mm. pin it there again. But yeah, mo most people like still listen to most of the ambient stuff. So I thought like I'll just compile them all into one playlist. Yeah, so, so. I also did that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's nice to give people a choice, like give them a playlist with the beat-driven stuff and give them the, the playlist with like just drone and ambient tracks because not mm, every, mm. everyone who listens to my music comes there for the, for the same thing, you know? Yeah. Who would you invite to your dream dinner party? Shit. <laughs> you say that a lot. So, so many people. <laughs> It's gonna be a very crowded fucking dinner party. Okay, let's let's. <laughs> <laughs> it's a festival. Oh, so many people I I, I want to have dinner with and just discuss things with. <laughs> okay, let's let's pick like two of the most desired. Right, I think uh, Damien Rice and uh, who's that? Is an Irish uh, singer songwriter who. Uh, We don't really hear much about him. Whenever he does a, a show somewhere in the world, it sells out in seconds. And he's a he's a bigger mm -hmm. he's a bigger musical export than U2 is for Ireland, which is strange. Like he's uh, never heard of him. He's fantastic. Like you'd you'd think he's underground, but he's he's just he's not. It's it's really weird. Mm. Like a lot of people don't know about him, but whenever he plays somewhere, whenever he releases something, it breaks records. Like he's even recording with Rick Rubin now. You know stuff like that. Uh, he's. I need to know, check him out. Yeah, he's he's great. If you like folk stuff, he's he's really good. Like, I do. Yeah, well, I do. The, the authenticity that we talked about, he has that in spades. Like mm. this dude is absolutely no filter, and he's an he has an absolutely excellent way of speaking of heartbreak and and loss mm. and and how complex. Oh, that's my guy. <laughs> he's fucking great. I've seen him live like three times now, and I cried all three times. <laughs> It's just beautiful music to me. So yeah, I, I heard his music when I was doing the um, audio, like lighting engineering education, and oh, I just okay, switched. Okay. Like, yeah, his music is amazing. Mm. So um, that is person number one. Person number two. Yes, uh, the other one, and this will come out of left field. That is Jonathan Van Ness from uh, Queer Eye for the uh, for the straight guy. Which is mm -hmm. uh, a TV show about a couple of gay people who just give regular straight people makeovers and mm. like help them redecorate their house and stuff. It's a very positive fucking show. But this dude, especially, is uh, very dramatic, <laughs> very openly effeminate homosexual who has a way about mm. him that I just find like, and he's got a podcast too. This dude is like very effeminate and very intelligent. Mm. And very dramatic and out there at the same time. I just mm -hmm. find him a very interesting person. So yeah, I'd have dinner mm. with that guy just just to see how that dude reacts to shit. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Together with the other guy. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be really weird. A depressed yeah. Irishman and a and a very fabulous American gay guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. It's like my, my two yeah. and a halves presented before me. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Was there a situation where you were close to death? Uh, I had a couple of years in, in high school primarily. Like you, you go to a music school, you're surrounded by rock and roll musicians mostly and rappers. 
So mm. uh, drugs and alcohol, always very close. Mm. And I, uh, as, a, as a teenager, when I was like 16, I sort of, well, I, I kind of took a shine to just MDMA and LSD and stuff. And I went a bit mm-hmm. too far with that, with a group of friends for a couple of years. And mm-hmm. I feel that if we kept on going on that trajectory for much longer than we actually did, then it could have mm. actually become extremely dangerous. We were already un- unhealthy when it came to the drugs. but Yeah, could well, have... they're always unhealthy, I guess. Fuck. Yeah, that was, that was a weird time. It was a really funny time. <laughs> But it's weird. it was weird and unhealthy. I think we all had that time. Oh, yeah. Definitely. We all have our versions of that. <laughs> I did. Shit is fun, but at some point it has to stop, you know? Yeah, it's especially, you know, I'm 47. And <laughs> um, it gets less and less interesting and less and less fun because it, the, the consequences are more and more. Yeah. Health-wise or, you know. When you feel like shit uh, three days after, yeah, there's no point in, in doing it anymore. Yeah, I agree. That's what that's what made me stop taking fucking ecstasy. Yeah. It was just I, I was just picking up the pieces of myself for days after I taken it. It's <laughs> exactly, just, it's just not and really worth sleep, it. And you can't eat, and and other, and you, you're not yourself. And yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. There's no point in in doing that when you're, let's say, a grown up. Yeah. You know? Less so. Like I still have my vices. Like I still smoke weed, but yeah. that's not a drug. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't do. Yeah. Well, you know. well, it could be worse. I can't believe it. We even covered drugs. <laughs> yeah, we we went all over the place. <laughs> we did, and it, a lot of that was totally unplanned. So I'm I'm actually happy about it. Yeah, and totally unrelated to music as well. <laughs> Which, not everything has to be related to music. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just fun. Life man. is life, and it's it's full of other, other things, uh, you know. True, true. What is top of your bucket list, whatever it is? Uh, do a road trip through uh, the United States of America. That's a bad time to do that. So definitely a bad time to do that right now. I mean, even if I had the funds right now, I would not be able to go there. I'm not allowed in the country right now, so... But yeah, exactly. once it's yeah. Uh, it's open, at some point I would uh, love to go there. And uh, I'd go by train, so do something like that. Maybe get a couple of friends together and get like a bus and do that shit. But I want to mm. see all the national parks. Uh, I want to see the cities too, but mostly the national parks. Do it. Just do it whenever yeah. you can. I'd love to. That's man. my personal thought or advice, whatever. Uh, and like a couple of years ago, I played like this game called Far Cry 5 and it was set in Montana. Uh, in, mm-hmm. in, in some desolate part of the, of the state where nobody really lives. And I was like, nah, mm. it doesn't look like that, right? It doesn't look as good as it does in the video game, does it? And then I looked at <laughs> the video, it turns out it fucking does. And now I need to go there. <laughs> yeah, I heard about Far Cry and I heard about Montana. Mm. And I heard it's it's just fucking empty. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. yeah. You've got entire like counties that are hundreds of square miles large, but only house about... No, like 10,000 people. Like you'll be hard pressed to find a person on a single day. It's beautiful. I love that. That sounds like my kind of place. The internet's probably shit though. I kind of live like that, you know, like 300 people in this village. That's incredible. There's like 70,000 people living in my town. 
<laughs> yeah, and a lot more in Rotterdam. Yeah, yeah. it's about five hundred thousand, I think. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of people. Too many. What single thing would improve the quality of your life? Uh, thing. Thing. Not circumstance. Thing. Well, could always use more music gear, you know. My setup is quite minimal. I sold most of the synths that I've had over the years because I, mm. I'm not really using them. But, mm. you know, I, I want to get into modular music. So something like a... Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Like I play with uh, my mate's modular when I was in London. You need a bigger place then. Oh, my place is big enough to house that. Like my, my living room is uh, way larger and there's a lot of unused space. So... Okay. Definitely have room for a modular here, but you know, money. <laughs> that shit's yeah. expensive. My God. <laughs> yes. That's really cool. I'd love that. Make some uh... the modular synth would be the single thing that would improve the quality of your life. Definitely, because it would force me to approach making music differently. Like it is a completely different way of working than with a VST, mm. for instance. It's way more tactile, okay. it's way more physical. You don't have a yeah. You don't have like a piano roll or like a step sequencer or a mixer or something like that. Like no, you're you're fucking about with patch cables, mate. That's different. Right, right. What keeps you awake at night? If so, oh, fucking mosquitoes. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's not a proper <laughs> reply. Yeah, it's just. I don't uh, mean you know like. I don't, I don't oh, probably well, like, when it is, it is. Like regular jack-off things like fucking bills that you still need to pay or like appliances that are breaking down and you need to replace. Mm. Like shit shit like that. I'm I'm not that interesting or special. I have very normal worries. <laughs> yeah, why not? I have the yeah. same worries. Yeah. That's that sort but of they stuff. don't keep me awake at night, you know, like uh maybe it's because I'm forty-seven. I, I don't worry about bills anymore. <laughs> Yeah, you Not because like, I have so much money. No, you can't uh, the fuck but, down the older you get, you know. <laughs> exactly. You yeah. know, I've been through this like so many times, you know, being broke and yeah. cannot pay any bills or whatever. Exactly. So it is what it is. I can't change it then. Mm. So I, I don't, uh, it doesn't keep me awake at night. Yeah. But, you know, if, if, I, if I were to be completely honest, like I, I, I take medication to sleep at night. Uh, I, mm. If I don't take it, I'm a raging insomniac anyway. <laughs> So, mm. yeah, I, I take stuff. Uh, that, that one's all above board, all prescriptions and everything. So. <laughs> mm. oh, well, I have it, I have it in, my, in my drawer as well. Mm. And when I need it, I take it. Help me, like the insomnia helped me through college, though. Like sleeping only two hours a night. I mean, I've spent a lot of time just working on music. Mm. I used to be great at creating music uh, at night when I was younger. Yeah. And today it's like when I wake up early in the morning, I have the best productivity. Right. I'm the best at night. Yeah. Maybe that'll yeah. change with age too. Who knows? Yeah, maybe it does. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Now the, the, the next question is probably a bit odd or maybe also cliche. Uh, what song would you like played at your funeral? Oh man, there's so many good choices. Not that I'm looking forward to that, but you know, just a question. <laughs> no, it's a thing everybody thinks about. Um, 
Yeah, there's like yeah. so many good ones. <laughs> like I, I love <laughs> I love music, man. There's like I, I would instead of just one song, I'd probably just put in my will, like you ought to play this playlist. It takes four hours. <laughs> Funeral <laughs> playlist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you motherfuckers better block off your day. You ain't going anywhere. You are listening to some A Perfect Circle, some Periphery. You're yeah. going to listen to some medieval folk music. It's going to be a whole thing. <laughs> so there wouldn't be one song that you would say, that fits my funeral. Uh, like I probably do the responsible thing and tell my, my family and friends, like, you pick the song that you want. If you're going to let me pick it, you're going to get so many. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, I would have one. Yeah, what would yours be? Um, it's a song by Marillion. It's called Brave. Mm, I don't know it. And it's it's not so much about the lyrics, uh, you know, fitting my funeral or something like that. Mm. Um, it's it's the feeling of the song. It's the, 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 the mood of the song. Right. I want everyone to cry the fuck their heart. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> I would like to see that if I'm able to see that, you know, like from above or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would I, I would like it when everyone is like breaking down and, and losing their shit over my death. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Play a Nickelback weird. song. <laughs> oh Jesus. No, I I, I, I don't hate, hate the people coming to my funeral that much. So. <laughs> the final countdown, you know. <laughs> It's a great song to go out on, though. <laughs> yeah, final countdown. Funny. Well, actually, the final countdown uh, would be over then. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that next question actually fits to the to the one before. Um, right. How would you like to be remembered? Uh, I don't really think of legacy all that much. I guess I, I think I hope that my music gets remembered because. When it comes down to it, I think um, what matters to me is my music more than how I am perceived by others, I guess. So I, I hope that... But you uh, are your music. I mean, there's more to me than just music. Just, just as we are both musicians, most of the time in this podcast, we have not spent talking about music. There's more to me too than just my music. And I don't mind that most of that won't get remembered. If anything hmm. of me gets remembered, I would rather it be my music, which is my life's work. So, yeah. You want to be remembered by your music. Yeah. So, by, by your work. Yeah. What, what you Definitely. did. Okay. Yeah, it's a good reason. <laughs> and you? Uh, <laughs> I think it would be sort of... Um, it would be a peaceful thought if the people in my life would remember me as someone who always did his best, mm. who always tried to be the best version of himself. Yeah. That's a pleasing thought. Yeah, definitely a very positive thing to be remembered by. Yeah. It's a good thing to strive for as well. All right. Last question. All right. What is the most important lesson life has taught you? Uh, there is no there is no such thing as good or bad. Everything is invariably shades of gray. So 
there's never really a right thing to do or a right option to take. I think that that is the best lesson is that because it sort of learns you that you should take nothing at face value as good and bad to everything. And all of that deserves to be considered. I think that uh, that is my major takeaway from my 29 short years on this earth, which probably betrays just how little I fucking know. I think that's a perfect answer to a perfect ending of a soon-to-be perfect episode. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Very nice. All right, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, love being on here. And now we can pretend we are not speaking into a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm I'm comfortable enough with uh, with the medium that I I was just having a conversation, not really thinking about the recording the entire time. I wonder how people are going to react to it. Like I'm going to post it to my socials as well. Yeah, of course. Wondering what people will who listen to my music think of the interview. I think they will. Probably. At least that's actually the idea of, of doing it. Um, get Sort of get closer to you, or, or people can relate better to you, yeah. or even to me. You know, that's why I thought maybe it's a good idea to tell the world who I am. Yeah. You know, for, at least from my perspective. Yeah. Everyone sees me differently, but... I like that. I mean, it's, it's what the uh, Joe Rogan experience does as well. Like, he doesn't really do interviews. He just has a conversation with someone. Right. It just happens right. to be recorded, you know? Yeah. And he has no notes and he doesn't read anything from anywhere. No. And, you know, just talks about stuff. Yeah. You know? Like, like it's, it's, it's evident from listening to his podcast that the dude has absolutely no idea what he's talking about most of the time. But it's good. That- most of the time, he's high. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been high this entire conversation we've had, so... <laughs> All right. <laughs> can I keep that in? <laughs> oh, sure, you can, yeah. I don't care. Yeah, I don't think my my employer will mind what I do on off hours. Like, I'm never high. Yeah, but well... Days, so. No. Yeah. If, he, if, if he even listens to, to my podcast, you know. I don't, I don't think they know who I am. <laughs> No, no, I don't. No, I don't really like interact with people at work all that much. Like, I'll, I'll say hi yeah. and bye and have like a short conversation, but never yeah. really have a talk. I mean, you don't go in and life. say, "Hey, I'm actually Echo Grid and I'm releasing music." And no, uh, really, no. Yeah, people yeah. ask me, I'll tell them. But yeah. well, once all this shit is over, and if you like, you come visit us here in the mountains. Yeah, I'd love to. I've seen the photos. I, I know where you live, dude. It looks amazing. I, it's actually close to impossible to shoot a bad picture here. Awesome. You must be an idiot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just click and, and that's it. You know, everything, everything is beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, I would love that, man. I'll, I'll definitely yeah. take you up on that once all this is over. All right, man. Thank you so much and uh, speak soon. Yeah, have a good day. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And that was it, folks. My first ever episode of a spoken podcast with a fascinating guest. <laughs>
I really hope you enjoyed it a bit. I can tell you it was a hell of a process to get all this started and produced and whatnot. But some things you only do once and then you have sort of a skeleton that you only need to fill with meat, so to speak. I guess I will get used to it and I will get better with every episode. Sorry for any imperfections. I'm really new to speaking on a podcast myself and I give my very best to make it all sound and feel natural and authentic because I think that's what it's all about. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, stay healthy and take good care of yourself. Bye-bye. The Ingo Vogelman Podcast. 